impact, income, and influence. Do you want the most powerful, actionable takeaways from today's episode? Go to actionbullets.com to grab the quick, easy-to-read takeaways that will help you change your life and grow your business. Or you can click the Action Bullets link in the description below. Let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to Grow Your Impact, Income, and Influence, the number one show for entrepreneurs looking to reach millions. Today, I have a true unicorn on the show. Like, no BS, true unicorn. You can see it over her shoulder. That was drawn for her by one of her audience members at a live event, swore that she was a unicorn. I agree with them. I've known Jen for a little bit over a year now, and I have to tell you, she is an amazing copywriter that can activate audiences better than anyone I've ever seen. She's really good at pulling out the pieces that get people to lean in and listen to what you have to say. We're going to dive into copy today, but Jen, this didn't start with you as a copywriter, you had no interest in writing copy. You were a health coach. And this story starts with you curled up in the fetal position, bawling your eyes out. Take us, take us back. First off, welcome to the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This is exciting. Thank you. I'm grateful to be here. Yeah, no problem. So take us back to like, you're curled up on the floor, bawling your eyes out. How did you get there? And what does that do to copy? I was on my parents' cold brick kitchen floor, ugly crying, because uh, just a couple months prior to that, I had left, I decided to pack up my personal training career. I worked, was working 80 hours a week as a personal trainer, burnt myself out, got put in the hospital, all sorts of crazy health challenges. And so I became a coach. I was like, I can still help people transform their lives doing this coaching thing. And um yeah. So I started getting clients pretty quickly and the first month I got clients, but then I was like, Oh, I don't know if I really want to do this niche. So then I shifted my niche a little bit, got clients the next month in a new niche. And then I was like, Oh, I don't really love this niche. I love these people, but I don't want to teach this specific thing. So I switched my niche again and then, um, got clients again the third month. Woo-hoo! And so on the outside, it looked fantastic. My, I was making, I was already making more money than I did the previous year as a personal trainer, but, um, I was burning out. And on top of that, I didn't quite know where I fit in. Cause I was changing my niche a lot. I, I just knew I wanted to help people, but I hadn't quite found like, what I wanted to do yet. And, um, what put me on my parents' cold brick kitchen floor was, at that point, I was already in a community of other coaches and they were seeing like this young whippersnapper scooping up clients, making money. And yet um, I was faced with, I couldn't cover my bills that month. I, you know, you know what we do when we first start our business, we, whatever money we make, we put it back into the business and I was 24. So I also didn't know how to manage money. So um, there I was. And so I just felt like a big fraud and a big failure. And so of course, what do you do when you feel hopeless and helpless, you go to your parents and you cry and you, you ask them, what do I do? Uh, so that's what happened. And luckily I do have pretty awesome parents and they, um, they basically coached me through it. And they said, is there anything that you can do? Is there anything you can offer to in front of people that they would buy? And would you do that right now? And I was like, actually, yeah, I think there is. And, uh, what it ended up being was copywriting. I didn't know what copywriting was. I just knew I liked helping my friends write their landing pages, the words on their landing pages and in their emails, and it was getting them results. So I was like, I can offer this thing that I've been helping people with and maybe that'll help. And, uh, you know, maybe they'll buy it. And so um, Hang yeah, on. I made that offer. Yeah. Hang on. We got to like, I got to unpack some of this. Oh, so okay. let's just go back for a second. You started coaching personal trainer and you're like, yeah. well, I don't want to do that. I'm burning out. I'm going yeah. to go over here and I'm going to start coaching. And month yeah. one got a bunch of clients. Yeah. Then pivoted a little bit because you didn't like exactly what you were doing. Yeah. And got a whole bunch more clients. Uh-huh. Anyone listening to this is probably, if you're still getting started in your business, you're like, I don't have any clients or I have one client or I have a bunch of people that want free things. And if you're wondering how Jen did this, we're going to unpack that. But I, yeah, persuasion 
influence, copywriting, all of those things form like this nice little sphere that's called conversion and called attracting people to you, which Jen did intuitively. Yeah, I didn't realize that's what I was doing. And in fact, um, it wasn't until I made that offer after I, you know, my parents basically picked up the puddled mess of their daughter and said, is there anything you could offer? It wasn't until I made that offer that I, it, I really realized it doesn't matter how big your audience is. It doesn't matter how expert you are. What matters is your message. What matters is, can you connect to the, to the, to your reader and offer the thing you want to offer in a way that they want to say yes to. And if so, you're going to make money you want to make. You're going to help the people you want to help. And you don't need this ginormous audience or all this fancy equipment or anything to get clients. Well, that's, and that's okay. what I was doing. I just didn't know it until then. Right. You had to like, you, you did it naturally. Yeah. But one of the things I want to talk about right there, a lot of people say, well, I have the message. I know what my message is. What would you say to them? Because I think we hear that a yeah. lot. Like they, they have like this perfectly crafted brand statement or yeah. they have like, they've spent all this time saying, you know, I help blank do X to get this result. I help coaches coach better and make more money or whatever. Right. Like we've seen right. all of that. Yeah. What would you say? Is that a message? Number one. Yeah. Um, well, I, well, I'll, I'll say this. I think most people have a message that they like, but they haven't considered, is this the message that my ideal buyer likes? And that's where people get mixed up is they're like, but it totally, it's perfect. It's just like me, but what if it's not the perfect thing your, your ideal client needs to hear? Um, and, and so we can, we can fall in love or fantasize that we've come up with these perfect words when, in fact, if they're not converting, if they're not bringing in clients, then you haven't. And people get really tripped up there. It's hard to let go of words that we think are perfect, but words, let go of that idea because I'm, I'm throwing out things all the time that I love because it doesn't work. Um, yeah. If you've, have you ever heard the, the term uh, kill your darlings? Exactly. That's exactly it. Yeah. I learned, I mean, I learned that in art school, like after spending, I think three weeks maybe on a painting and um, the professor didn't tell us, but in order to teach us this, we spent three weeks, like masterpiece, blah, blah, blah. And then he was like, all right, now you have to paint over it. Like the assignment is you have to paint That's over great. it. And he was like, and like people, there was a girl that started crying and she was like, I'm not going to do it. He's like, then you fail. Like you have wow. to paint over it and like, you have to pull some, then, then the thing was after we painted over it, we had to pull something out of the ashes. We had to recreate mm -hmm. and it, it taught us exactly what this is. I feel like so many people get wrapped, get their ego in front of them to either yeah. I have to be perfect or yeah. it's my message and what I want to share. Mm -hmm. And it's like, do either of those things get you people? Yeah. So, and do either of those things sound humble or like you're coming from a place of service for me if i like it may be i don't know for me business isn't about me i once had a friend a very good friend i'm so grateful for this thing he told me it was my first it was my yeah it was my first time i ever spoke on stage and made an offer from stage and i was so nervous i was standing behind the curtain and he was the sound he was actually the av guy so he was in the sound booth and I was in the back and I had to stay behind the, in this little tiny green room, you know, that was basically just like 10 inches between the curtain and the stage. And uh, he just kind of messaged, you know, called me in through the microphone. He's like, are you, how are you doing? And I was like, well, I'm pacing behind the stage. How are you doing? And so he's snuck back and he just like grabbed me by my shoulders. And he's like, this isn't about you. Get over it. And then he walked away. And at first I was like, that was mean, but then I really let it sink in and all my fears wiped away. And I just walked on stage and I just expressed gratitude for being there. And then I just was so there for the audience. And I, to me, that wraps up that just like, that's what business is, is it's not about you. 
yes, your voice is important. It's, it's actually something I teach is understanding your voice. Your values are important, but all of it has to mean something to your audience. Otherwise, there's, there's no connection with the people you want to work with. So service, you know, that should be the forefront of everything. I mean, that's a really, really powerful lesson. And I think it is, whether you're dealing with copy or like your messaging or speaking on stage or your funnel or any of it, the core thing is that it has to be about what they get out of it, their outcome. Yeah. Then yeah. you can layer on your voice and things that you do and what you like that, that comes secondary. So I want to go back in your story. So you, you got up off your parents' floor, you decided yeah. to make this offer for something you didn't even know was called copywriting. You were just like, yeah. I'll help you do landing pages I, or. I, the, so the message was, I, I just decided to be really vulnerable, which is, a little tip. That's one way to create connection with your audience. I was really vulnerable with them because I realized because I felt like a fraud and a failure, I had to share that. So I didn't say I feel like a fraud and a failure. I just shared, Hey guys, um, I get to be really vulnerable. I am, I'm struggling to pay my bills this month. And, um, in exchange for a donation, I'll write any marketing material you want. That's what I put out. And I had 20 people reach out and say, I'll hire you. And I ended up not only covering my bills, but I made an extra $2,000. And I was like, what did I just do? I don't know what that is, but I want this. And then that's when I actually found out, oh, you know, copywriting is a real thing. It's actually in like an industry and a profession and a career and has its own vernacular. So yeah, so that was it. Okay, I have a few questions that I can hear. I can hear the inner dialogue in listeners. So, first off, how big was your list? Hey, I just wanted to take a quick break from this episode. Are you enjoying the stories so far? Would you like to know how to use storytelling and story selling in your business? Check the show notes down below or go to storyselling.how to grab my free mini course on story selling and start implementing this in your business right now. All right, let's jump back to the episode. Probably 30 something people. It's 30. I was expecting yeah. 100 to 200. 30 well, people. When I, had, I, I mean, had... once I became once I became a copywriter, which still sounds funny, then I I grew it to a whopping 98 people. But at that time when I made that specific message, it was 30 something. Okay, so anyone listening to this, Jen has just shown you that you can make four or $5,000, however much you made with that offer. You made enough to cover your bills plus 2K from a list of 30 people. I guarantee you, you have more than 30 friends on Facebook. If you don't have an email list, you can build an email list by just thinking who likes what I do and who would buy from me, who might buy from me, not who would, who might, like they want the outcome that I'm offering. You can probably put together 30 people and email them all today if you but want I think to. that's I want to actually point to that because that's the power of having like being of service. So the people on my list didn't even know me for copywriting. This is the first time I was really actually offering it. They knew me for the other three things I was talking about. So uh, the other three niches I was in. So um, connection, there's so many different ways to create connection. And one of another one of them on top of being vulnerable is offering something that people really want. Um, and yeah, I mean, that works like, like gangbusters. I mean, that's awesome. The, um, the power to go and make an offer. And if you don't know what to price your offer at, if you're new to the space that you're in, I don't care what anyone out there says in pricing world. I'm a big pricing guy. I can tell you the pricing tiers. I can tell you what they convert at, but making an offer that says, Hey, what I do is highly valuable. This is the outcome that you'll get from it. You tell me what it would be worth to you. That is a great way to do a first offer and get some people in and get some testimonials and get some proof and make you feel good about not doing it for free. If you're doing yeah. freebie work all the time, that's saying you probably should. And, and I had been doing that work for free for fun. I, like I didn't even know I could charge for it because I just thought it was something for fun. Like, oh, we all need to do it. So let's just like work together. But um, yeah, it was it was interesting actually to see like what people how people valued 
the marketing material that they asked for. Um, Cause I got everything from 20 bucks to 1500 bucks from people. So it was, it was really interesting. Um, did you take, did you take on all 20 clients? Yeah. <laughs> if you had, so, to- cause some of them wanted like, Oh, I need a social media post. You know, that was like really small. Some, I got to write my first sales page. Uh, you, you know, her, her name is Alina. Um, I wrote that first sales page from that for her, from that offer. Yeah. And um, yeah, we were mm-hmm. actually talking about that last night to be completely candid. Um, yeah. So I, I have another question that is like a, an asterisk to this. When you, cause if people are listening to the story, you had, you got, you brought in income your first three months as a personal training coach across three different niches. And then you woke up without money. And if you, if you're just getting started, or if you've been in business for a little while, you might have experienced this, right? You, you have a 5k month or you have a 6k month or a 10k month, but somehow you look at your bank account and there's not very much money there because, yeah. oh my goodness, I bought this course or I bought coaching over here, or I went and did a spa day. I don't know what those things look like, but if you had to go back and tell yourself not to spend money on something, I think this is so important. Um, what would you go back? Like, what do you feel like you, you burn some cash on that maybe you could have saved? I know. Yeah, I got it. Don't spend money on that office. I, when I, when I first, when I decided to become a coach, I thought I needed a brick and mortar office. So I, I mean, I, I lived in Baton Rouge, Louisiana at the time. So it wasn't like crazy expensive, but 500 bucks a month. That that's a big deal for someone first starting out. So, and then of course I renovated it and paid for all the renovations. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't have spent money on a brick and mortar business. I would have invested in a copywriting. I would have found out what copywriting was and invested in that sooner. Well, that's, so that was actually going to be my next question. If there's one thing you would go back and tell yourself to spend money on, yeah. what would it be? Would it be copywriting? copywriting? Yeah. Even though you became the copywriter. Yeah. I st- I'm still learning. I still, uh, every week I'm diving into a new training or studying someone new or even a classic just because I want to stay sharp. There's always something new you can learn. Um, but if I had known that sooner, yeah, I feel like maybe I wouldn't have been a hot mess, you know? <laughs> okay. So a couple questions I have, you start, you made this offer, you got people who came in and what was your first, like, structured offer after that? Cause then you're like, well, I guess I'm doing this thing called copywriting. What yeah. did you move uh, along into? You know what? I may even have a copy, but it's tucked away in my um, closet. My first real offer was a print monthly newsletter. So it was a subscription and I sent out a hold in your hands, new copywriting newsletter every month. How many subscribers did you have? Do you know? Yeah, like 48 or 50, something like that. At how much? It was $444 for the year. So whatever that 50 subscribers. Yeah. I just want you guys to do the math on that really quick. Month two or month three, Jen's like, newsletter it is. Boom. Uh Yeah. There it is. So anyone out there that's like, what, what is this stuff? So I want to dive into copywriting a little bit because you touched on it. It really is about having a message that resonates with people and gets people to eventually take action. Right. So we'll get into some nitty gritty, but just as a general rule, what makes copy good? Like if you're looking, yeah. Like if you, from like a high level, because I think a lot of people can say that is good copy and that is bad copy, but they can't oh, say. Oh yeah. Got it. Okay. It is good. Um, great cop. Okay. So the first thing I look for is a cohesive message. Like does the headline, the sub headline, the offer, do they all, are they all talking about the one big problem and the one big promise? If they are, it's good copy. If they're going on tangents or they're trying to present their program as a solution for many different problems and now it feels scattered, that's not, to me, that's not going to be as high converting. 
I mean, not just to me, just in general, it won't convert as high. Okay. So headline, which was your subject line for an email or your sales page, sure. your subheads, you can have subleads in your email mm-hmm. and then a clear call to action. Those are yeah. the three things that you feel convert the best out of anything. Um, one also, so it also has to be focused. I have, so I, ha- I have something called the club. It's called the confident copy club. And we have some golden rules that we follow by. And it is write to one reader, stick to one topic, give one call to action, be clear over clever, and you're weird, edit it in. Those are just, if you follow those five things, your your copy will be uh, much more direct, much more compelling, and much more likely to convert. So I agree with all of those things. Let's let's dive into eat like out there are two pieces in there. The first okay. thing is for those of you listening to the show who aren't on my email list, I email almost every day and I make it a point to tell fun, engaging stories. Like I think it's really helpful. And I know a lot of the emails out there that are getting sent, you can probably echo this pretty well, are yeah. like the most boring marketing bullshit. Like, yeah, here, here's my three tips for better, blah, blah, blah. Like, they, yeah, we've been. May I jump on this? Please. So big, we, we've been hearing for years that we need to provide value. And what's happened is we've, whether through, because we've been told or because we've assumed, we think that value means information, but that is a mistake. Of what creates value is when you make your audience feel something. So you can make them feel smart by educating them, but you can also make them feel like they belong. You can also just brighten their day and make them feel happier. All of that is value. So through storytelling, you're actually creating value because you're creating a connection with them. You're creating a feeling within them that has them saying, hey, I like being around this person or hey, this person really gets me or hey, I feel like I just learned something through this really fun story. Uh, So the value isn't in the info. It's and how you make them feel. That, for those of you who didn't hear that, I'm going to repeat it. Value is not in the information you provide. It is in the way you make people feel. If you want an example of this, try reading a really dry textbook that tells you exactly ABC what to do yeah. versus a fun story-based book that has the core belief in it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, Every time you probably have some of those dry books somewhere in your house, buried under a stack, dust covered and unread. And then you have books that are fun, light reading that still have information in them, right? If you look at like the bestseller list right now, all of them are story-based books. They are not the deep information-based books. Um, So I... That is so incredibly true. It is about how you make people feel. The other thing that I would tell you to look at is look at what people watch on TV. They love Mm -hmm. reality TV show that is high drama, fun, entertaining. That's like people love it when you show up in your inbox, in their inbox, and you're fun and entertaining. They love sales pages that are fun and entertaining and take them on a journey versus this is what you get super boring and dry. Yeah. Drama, drama isn't educational, but it's entertaining and that's what makes it valuable. Well, I would say that it can be educational if you learn what caused the drama, right? If you tell a big drama story, and that's, right? not, that's not the drama I'm talking about, like just the story aspect. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. Gotcha. Yeah. So if you're listening to this and you're like, but I don't do email or I'm just trying to do Facebook posts. This all applies because the thing that Jen does, she might call herself a copywriter, but in reality, the reason that she was able to sell clients when she was doing personal training, then she was able to convert her first offer for donation is because she understands persuasion, conversion, and connection with the audience. So what are, I would love to know what are the top two or three rules for connection, establishing that connection. How do you do that through copy? 
Yeah. Other than my five principles. Well, you can use the five principles. Yeah. I don't, I don't mind that at all. Um, well, first and foremost, the rule of one. And so you have to write to one person. If you're writing to 10 people or you're trying to reach a thousand people, you'll miss out on talking clearly, directly, and you won't be able, you can't persuade a whole bunch of people when it's watered down. You actually can persuade a whole bunch of people when you're talking to one. It's like, have you, if you've ever been on stage, the way to create connection with the audience isn't to look around the room and to hold your arms out. That's not how you create connection with the audience. You actually make eye contact with one person and tell them your, tell them your story or tell them your point or ask them your question. Then everyone else in the room feels an energy of connection. It, it's counterintuitive, but writing or speaking to one person um, is the is how you create that connection. I have something called uh, the eight minute email method. And yes, you write an email in eight minutes, but the premise is, is you visualize one person sitting in front of you at a very busy cafe. So you both have to lean in in order to get your point across and to be heard. And you just imagine telling your email to this ideal buyer of yours. And it's not the 500 people on your email list or the 10,000 people on your email list, it's one person. And then you write that email and then you edit it and you follow my editing process. But I, it comes down to writing to one person. So that's the first step. Um, I want to talk, I, I yeah. talk about being weird a little bit because I think a lot of people whitewash their emails because they're like, mm -hmm. I don't want to be vulnerable. I don't want my personality yeah. to show because I want to appeal to everybody. I don't yeah. want to say anything that would piss somebody off. I don't want to. Can you just talk to that a little bit? I can. And I, you know, this could probably be one of the three tips uh, to writing better copy. I, I think I would make it the last tip because. There's probably a tip that comes before editing in your weird. And that's only because um, if you go too overboard with your personality or you put your personality before your audience, it can come off as too pushy or just they can't, you won't get to the point and you'll go off on wild tangents. So being weird is important, but it's also important to be measured in your personality. Anywho, so when it comes to being weird, See, most people think they're too boring or that they can't because of, you know, I'm a lawyer, so I can't be casual or whatever it is. They have to be professional. Um, and that's, that's exactly how you end up just kind of fitting in into the masses, right? Like if you want to stand out, you have to say something interesting. You have to if you want to be interesting, you have to be interesting. And so you need to um, have your own unique way of describing things and your own stories. And um, the best thing you can do is like first step is just cl get clear on what are like three things that make you weird that actually reflect in your writing. Like for me, uh, one of the things that makes me weird is I grew up in the South around a whole bunch of different cultures you know, like my family is Cajun and I went to public school. And so I grew up on country and hip hop and bluegrass and honky tonk and uh, pop music. Like I listened to Elvis before I listened to whoever was playing on the radio at the time. Like I, I you know, and because of that, I'm just a very, I'm a kaleidoscope of personality and of expression. And if I, when I try and fit into one box or I try and suppress that, those different parts of me that want to, you know, sometimes I sound like a cowboy and sometimes I sound like someone else. Um, if I suppress that, then my copy becomes dull. Or as my best friend said, I come off really cold and like a bitch. Like that's what he said. And it was because I was trying to be someone that I wasn't. And like the, the second thing is, what's the second thing? I know I know the second thing. The second thing is, is my life is really spiritual. Everything, every aspect of my life, whether it's my relationships or my business or just my family life, is very spiritual. So if, I, but when I try and take that out of my writing and not address it or not let it reflect, um, 
then I don't feel fulfilled. And my, my readers, I don't get to attract the right readers. So I know that's one of the things that make me weird. Um, so it's important to know the things that make you unique and weird and how it reflects in your writing, how you want it to reflect in your writing. Cause that's how you're going to end up finding your voice and standing out instead of trying to copy someone else's voice or use templates that feel dry. I mean, that, that is like the best advice I can give. Like if you're listening to this and you're like, but people might hate me. Have you ever had a hater, Jen? I can't imagine oh, yeah. that you have. I've got lots of haters. What? Yeah. If you're listening I to mean, this, hang not on, lots I'm- of haters, not like thousands of haters, but I've got enough to know well, I've got haters. Well, I just want to, I want to touch on that because anyone listening to this interview is probably like, Jen, you're great. Like you're one of the yeah. nicest people in the world. You're quirky. Yeah. You're fun. You don't yeah. ever say anything like hateful or offensive. How do you like, not how do you get haters? I don't care about that. What do you, how did you deal with it? And what do you think that means about your copy? I just wanted to take a short break from this episode and let you know about one of the biggest secrets I have found when it comes to converting webinars. If you have a webinar and it's not converting as well as you want, or if you're thinking about building a webinar and you want to grab this tip, it has helped numerous people. One of my clients, we actually doubled their conversion rate just by implementing this one simple step. And you can grab it at deathtobadwebinars.com or by clicking in the show notes below. All right, let's jump back to the episode. How do I deal with it? And what do I think that means about my copy? So I I don't know if I've ever thought about how do I deal with it? Like how do you, I mean, does it affect you? Do you get emails that say, I don't like this or shut up or I'm unsubscribing. Not, not a lot. It used, I think it used to, it used to really affect me when I saw someone unsubscribe from my email list. But now, you know, it's like every time you send an email, you get unsubscribed. So it's kind of like, you know, you build up that resistance, but I mean, at first it would upset me, but now it doesn't. Um, haters know, cause I, I know who I am. I know that I, I'm not putting out vicious things. I'm not, I don't, I don't believe I don't do the marketing where I'm pointing fingers at someone else who's, you know, blaming someone else for the problem. So I just don't, you know, if it's not a fit for them, that's fine. That's cool with me. Um, well, I think that's, I yeah. know in my business, like taking that stance was a day that like things changed pretty drastically for me. I was probably like 2015 or 16. I think it was 15. But I was like, if people don't like what I do, if they don't like my style of event, if they don't like listening to me speak on stage, if they don't like the stuff that I put out, I don't really care. They're not for me. And the people who are, are like, that's yeah. great. And if somebody unsubscribes from my email list, I I, I want to say it was Ben Settle. I'm not exactly sure where I first heard this and it's preached all over, but if somebody unsubscribes, awesome. They did they, the work for you. Yeah. Yeah. They're not going to buy from you anyway. They weren't your person. And do you want somebody that you don't like, that you don't get along with, that's going to be a bad client at the end of the day? Like that's not somebody. It it took me a long, I will admit, it took me a long time to get to that place because I am, well, I I do, you know, I'm a recovering people pleaser. I use, you know, I I want people to be happy. I want people to feel joyful and peaceful. And so when they're not, and I feel in, it's been presented to me that I'm the reason that they're not. Um, of course, that would hurt and, and upset me. But at this point, I feel like once you realize your your actual message and your core values and how you're showing up in the world, if it's not a right fit, it doesn't mean they're not a right fit forever. It's just not for right now. And no problem. Like I, I just live in an abundant world where they have the freedom to choose. And I have the freedom to choose. So that's totally fine. And speaking of, um, you know, what Ben Settle said, how they do the work for you, they, you know, they weren't your buyers. So let them unsubscribe. The best thing you can do is have an email list of engaged people, not just an email list. Uh, You want people who are buyers, who are openers, who are readers, who people who take action on your emails. And, um, to that point, like you don't need a giant email list to have a successful business. You need an engaged list. That's why I was able to take 98 people on an email list and turn it into a hundred thousand dollars in my first year in business. You know, like it's because they were engaged, not because it was a giant list. 
that's, I mean, that is a hundred percent. If you guys, I know I've preached this on the show before, but if you guys haven't read a thousand true fans, Google that it's a short article written, uh, Tim Ferriss talks about it, but it's much better to have a highly engaged niche market that knows, likes, and trusts you and will buy from you. You can sell all you need into a few hundred people. I mean, your, your email list now is the, the tiny, but mighty list. Yeah. How many people? Um, about 2,500. I still have a small list. There you go. And killing it, doing yeah. just fine. Yeah. Um, I'm, you know, I, being in the online business space and working with clients who have anywhere from 500 people on their email list to a hundred thousand people on their email list. Um, it can get really easy to want to compare yourself. Like, especially when I'm writing for the, for the list that have a hundred thousand. Right. Um, but again, for me, it's all about quality. I've not, I, I want for nothing in my, in my business and in my life. Like I'm able to buy the things that I want to buy, enjoy the experiences I want to experience. It does. I don't feel like I'm missing out because I don't have this giant list that I can show off to people. Like I, I don't it, quality. That's where it's at. That is, that is a word that I would say resonates very well with you. Um, one of the things that you took me through that I think would be really helpful for listeners. If you're listening to this and you're like, I would write email, but I don't know what to say. You gave uh, me a really simple four-step process, which I have right here, actually on a post-it note that yeah. was, this is what you say in an email. I mean, I tell stories. I always, I have my method, but Jen gave me a little bit of feedback. If you could share that, I think that would be great. I don't know if you even know what I'm talking about, but I have a feeling. I do. I think, I think you're referring to my bad first draft process. Can you read it out loud? Um, I'll have what I wrote down. I don't know that it's yeah. exactly what you said, but it's start with where do you want them to go? What's your CTA going to be at the yeah. end? What's your call to action? Mm -hmm. Then you put what do they believe about what you're saying? What do they believe about what you're going to? What do they believe to be true about this yeah. topic? Mm -hmm. So those are the first two. And then once you've got that, what do they need to believe in order to take action? And then I, I wrote story. Yeah. And write a story. story. Yeah. Uh, so the bad, it, that's super close to the bad first draft process. Um, I think you catered it to your writing style, which is totally cool. So yeah, the first thing you want to write is your goal. What's your big goal for the email? Don't send out an email if you don't have a goal. Don't do it, it. Can it just be engagement? How do you feel? Yeah, about it? it could be have them click reply. The goal would be click this link to opt in for a webinar, download the freebie, click reply, build engagement leading up to a launch, whatever it is, you just need to have a call to action. So you need to know what your goal is. Uh, second, you need to know um, what are the client's big wants or dreams and challenges around this topic. That's the second one. The third one is what do they currently believe to be true around this topic? It doesn't mean it needs to be true. It's just what they believe to be true. Second is, um, or, uh, sorry, one, two, three. Fourth is um, what you had there was what do they need to be? What do they need to believe? Another way to say this is what do you know is actually true about this? What's your unique perspective that you can bring to them? And then the final piece is what social proof can you bring in? Third party proof, social proof can you bring in to validate your unique perspective? So if you just answer all those each of those questions, you will have a first draft of your email. That's awesome. Yeah. That's a, like, that's more powerful than what I wrote down. I don't know where I got mine. Yours are better. <laughs> that's why you're the copywriter. And I'm just, I'm just the guy who talks on stage. Yeah. Um, I, I teach that inside of um, my program called inbox celebrity. It's module one, the bad first draft. That is awesome. So tell me a little bit. I, I want like you have two things right now. You have the freebie, which you're giving away on the show. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So it's called seven ways to multiply sales in your emails. And I'll give you the sitch. You, when you download it and you open it up, you'll see that I'm giving you the seven main objections people will give you when buying an online program, no matter what your online program is. 
And for each objection, there are two columns. The column will say, if your client is saying this, and then the second column will say, you do or say this. So you can compare, oh, here's what I'm hearing from my audience. Here's what I need to talk about in my emails. Perfect. Because it's different, for example, like the money objection, which everyone, you know, everyone's got the money objection or everyone hears it uh, in one shape or form um, when they're selling something online, but there's different ways to that, that money objection shows up. Sometimes the money objection is real. Sometimes like money is legitimately tight. And so we want to know how to talk about tight budget in an email. Sometimes the money objection is psychological or, um, you know, hiding something else underneath it. And so you need to know how to address it in that way. So there's different ways each objection shows up. And so it shows you different ways. So that's the freebie that is listed in the show notes, in the action bullets. If you haven't picked those up, go grab that. I promise you, Jen's content is really good and it is highly, highly actionable. Um, the you could take thing, it and update your sales emails and start like, you could probably get more conversions. If you update them today and send it out tomorrow, you'd see a difference. That's awesome. So talk to me a little bit about the copy club that you are doing. So you switched from doing this yeah. newsletter, which you told us about yeah, the that copy was club. Years ago. Yeah. So tell me a little um, bit about the copy club. So I had this vision a couple of years ago. I just had this idea when I realized your words are in everything and is everything. Every marketing strategy, you can't be successful with it without words. And so I, you know, I went through tens of thousands of dollars worth of um, online business training and realize like, it doesn't matter what system you use, you got to have the right words. And if they're not giving it to you in these programs, or many of them aren't even saying, oh, you know, you need copy for the emails. They're just saying you need 10 emails. <laughs> that doesn't, it's not really helpful. And so I, I've had this vision for a while of um, imagine a group fitness gym. Okay. So a group fitness gym, they have different fitness classes you can attend at any given time of the week at different times of the day, and you can go and get your workout and leave. So my idea, so my vision is we should have that, but for copywriting, like we shouldn't, if you don't have 10 grand to plop down on a copywriting project or 90 grand to bring an in-house copywriter into your team, that shouldn't stop you from having high converting copy if you have something transformational to share with the world. So that's why I created the club was so that people could get the copywriting support that they need. We have live writing labs where you can bring your copy and have it reviewed. We have templates and all sorts of resources so that you have the, um, that, those expert eyes and brains uh, on your copy. I mean, that's awesome. That is such a... I think the biggest challenge that I hear people when I say, you know, you should be emailing more. I don't know what to say. I feel like my writing isn't very good. Well, this is a way that you can get better and you can get live critique. Number one. Number two, when you put something out to your list, the worst that's going to happen is nobody's going to read it. That's the worst, which that's happening anyway, if you're not mailing. The second worst is they'll unsubscribe, which we've already talked about. They might not be your right person. So if you need help, getting email out and getting your copy done, check Jen stuff out. It is listed in the links below. I promise you, you will do yourself a favor by doing it. The last thing I want to talk about is a little birdie told me that you do amazing research before writing for yeah. somebody. And this mm -hmm. is one of the things that I think if you're a copywriter or you're an aspiring copywriter and you want to do this as a business, you definitely need to do. The other thing, when I'm writing, my daily emails are story-based and they're small takeaways driving to a smaller CTA. But when I'm writing a sales page and a sales letter, I do research as well. And it is one of the things that I feel a lot of people skimp out on because they, they're like, well, I, I know my audience. Yeah. Well, what I'd like you to shed a little bit of light on is what is the research that you do and how do you feel it, it? Like, I want your take. I can tell people it's important all day long, but I want to hear what you have to say about it because you know way more than I do. Yeah, I'm happy to talk about research. So 
Um, I think we've all filled out those client avatar forms at, you know, at conferences before. And it's like, how many children do they have? What's their fake name? You know, all those things. And like, they're a waste of time when we don't know why those demographics matter, or we're filling out demographics that don't matter for our audience. And we're filling it out for like this overall business, but each offer is different. So that's why I like to do research for each offer, each promotion. And what I do is there are different types of research. First, I want to research the audience, of course. I want to know what are, what are their biggest challenges right now? What are the outcomes they wish they had that they're not getting? Um, what's, their, what's the future that they're, they feel like they're missing out on? And then I also want to understand if I'm writing for a client, I need to, I want to understand the client's voice, their viewpoints as well. So I'm researching the client. If it's me, I'm actually going to research me a little. Yes. Uh, Cause again, for each offer, I probably have a different story that led to creating that offer. So I need to understand why I did it uh, and what makes me the expert on it or the, the person to be able to um, provide a solution around it. Um, and then the, Third bit of research is researching the offer itself. So if I'm writing for a client, I need to go through the program and understand the program, research how are people interacting with it? Is there a community? How active is that community? What are they talking about? Um, How many modules is it? What are they talking about in the modules that maybe they missed the last time they put on the sales page? Maybe the bullet points don't actually reflect or there's a way to make it sound more engaging or enticing. So you're, you're researching the audience, the offer, and the expert who is providing the solution. So I have something that I want to add to that. Like if you're like, well, I know all that stuff. I want you to quickly think and just, you can yell this out loud. I won't hear it, but who are the top three competitors to that offer? What does their offer look like? How much does it cost? What are their bullet points? Because if you don't know that stuff, if you can't rattle it off like that, you don't you have not done the amount of research that goes into this. And whenever I have this conversation, because I I have this conversation a lot around offer. Um, when I'm working with somebody, I'm like, what's your offer? And then I ask, who are your competitors? And if they ho and hum, I'm like, that's why you're struggling. Yeah. This game I is one, yeah. I mean, this game isn't easy. It's not meant to be easy. The people who excel are the people who put in the effort on the back end. And this is part of that effort. I hate to say the word work, but it is, you have to know and be a student of history and what's in the marketplace. Um, Just for- As a copywriter, you know, well, when you hear copywriter, you think, oh, they just sit down and they write. But I beg to differ. (laughs) I would say 60% of our job is research. Uh, The majority of our job is we have to know what we're writing about. And that includes, like you said, even the competitors. I didn't mention that, but a full competitive analysis is very important because that's where you're really going to find out what makes your offer different and you different from the competitors. And you'll be able to explain that in your sales page or in your emails. Um, I had one client who, you know, his, his uh, coaching program is incredible. However, he refused to admit that he had competitors. He refused because he said, no, my program is above and beyond those. And I said, but that's not what we're, what I mean when I say competitors. I mean, who's buying, who who else is buying stuff that's related to yours or thinking it's related to yours. And what I ended up doing was doing a competitive analysis on the two other companies that were providing similar solutions. And what happened was, is all three of them were promising the same thing. And I said, if you just tweak this one sentence, literally your headline away from the, this big vague promise that all the other two competitors are saying, you will start to stand out. And that's when it really clicked for him. I'm not saying your program is the same as others. When we say competitive analysis or competitors, it's just who else is offering something similar in the marketplace that your people are buying from. And because it allows you to see it's those tiny little tweaks where you can differentiate yourself. And all of a sudden, instead of saying, we help you get results, if you can fill in, take out results, which is a placeholder and put in a real tangible thing that your audience understands, you're going to stand out. Yeah. Nice. Well, Jen, we could talk all day about copy and conversion and connection. 
this has been a great interview. Um, I just want to thank you so much for coming on. The last question I have for you is if somebody is listening to this and they've gone along and they're like, it seems like so much work, but I do want to do it. What, like, what's one simple step that they could take right now today that they could move forward in their head and see some results? With writing emails or writing Writing email, copy, anything that we've talked about. Like if somebody, I think I'm going to go with a cliche. I'm going to do it. Okay. Just start writing. Like you can't edit a blank page. So take something that I said today. I, we gave the, my bad first draft process, which most people pay for. So that's great. Uh, Take my bad first draft process and get something onto the paper only then can you start to edit and editing is where you bring in the awesome and the conversion and all of the clear, concise copy. It doesn't start in the first draft. So get the bad first draft out of your head onto paper and just go for it. Set a t- If you can set aside 30 minutes a day to just even practice writing copy with no attachment or no pressure to need to put it out somewhere, you're going to get stronger. It's going to become more compelling and you're going to end up writing your paychecks with your copy, write your paychecks with your copy. I like it. That's a good, that's going to be the headline for the show. Jen, (laughs) thank you so, so much to everybody else out there. Make sure you click in the show notes or in the action bullets, wherever you are at underneath the YouTube video, grab Jen's freebie, join her copy club. If you have any interest in writing copy, it will pay for itself very, very quickly. Thank you all for tuning in. And until next time, take action, change lives and make money. We'll see you soon. Thanks for checking out today's show. Do you want the fast and easy Cliff Notes version of the actionable steps from today's episode? If so, go to actionbullets.com and download yours today. Also, if you're looking to start using story selling in your business and have stories do 90% of the hard work for you, grab my free course at storyselling.how today. Till next time, take action, change lives, and make money. We'll see you soon.